This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I'm your host, Yasin, and I am joined by George. Hey, yo. And back by popular demand. <laughs> wow. Couldn't even, couldn't even make you that laugh. <laughs> and back on the podcast is Jared. I literally have no recollection of being on the podcast before. They just reminded me about five minutes ago that I've been on here before. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, Jared was on the Ultraman X podcast about four years ago. And apparently it did not leave an impression on him, so he does not remember. I mean, it's been at least 10 years adjusting for 2020. So <laughs> that's, that's There you go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it was about 75 years ago when we made <laughs> uh, So how are you guys doing? All things considered. All things considered, I'm doing surprisingly okay today. <laughs> grading, grading on a curve. <laughs> grading on a yeah. curve. For sure. For sure. Uh, so today we're going to talk about Ultraman, the series from 1966. Not the comic, not the anime not the other hundred of things but the original og show and most i mean we originally wanted to talk about this because of the blu-ray releases but that was like december it's been a, it's been a minute <laughs> i think that was literally a year ago it was october of 2019 was that when the first one came out pretty sure yeah well so we're right on time then <laughs> cool. Uh, the one year plus anniversary of Mill Creek's Blu-ray release of Ultraman. Of Ultraman. <laughs> Everyone knows the 13 month anniversary is the most important. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, let's talk about uh, a little bit of how this show kind of came to be. Um, I have a very, I guess you could say, cursory, under, uh, limited understanding of what happened. Um, from what I know, uh, Eiji Tsuburaya, who's the creative Ultraman, he worked on, you know, Godzilla and a bunch of kaiju movies before breaking off into his, making his own company, Tsuburaya Productions. And then he created Ultraman, Ultra Q in 1966. Yeah. So it's basically, um, Tsuburaya Productions was founded in 63. And right. then after a few years, they're like, we really want to bring like the the big like Toho monster movie style story to the small screen because mm. television was getting a lot bigger. So we wanted to do like half hour Toho movies, you know, and then they did 26 episodes of Ultra Q and they're just like, this is fun, but we want to do something different. And, and the network was, was ready and willing for more Ultra Q, but they're like, well, we want to do something different. And so they, there are a bunch of drafts where they decided to do a first it was going to be a hero monster and then it evolved into right. a, a, a humanoid um, so that it was easier to distinguish uh, who the good guy was, which I guess is kind of speciest. Um, <laughs> but and then and then, of course, at the end of Ultraman, it was the same thing. The network like, give us more Ultraman. They're like, yeah, we 
to do something different that that led to ultra seven but right. yeah so um yeah so, i mean that's that's the gist of it and then you know it became the the kaiju boom and television was all the rage and it killed the film industry <laughs> oh, man that went down real quick Holy crap. <laughs> so is, is it true that uh one of the iterations was red man uh, Redman was was an original name for Ultraman, and in that version of the pitch, uh, Red King was the the king of all the monsters, and so that's why Red King, despite not being anywhere near the color red, uh, is <laughs> yeah. still called Red King. Is as a it's an artifact from when the show was called Redman. Um, oh, okay. Ultra Seven was also called Red Man at one point, and they just couldn't let the name go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, eventually, you know, several years later, they finally did, you know, Red Man, the serial killer of of, of Ultra Heroes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And but that one was such a like, I don't know. It was like an afterthought of a kind of a show. Like it was a very shoestring budget and not really a full. It was like a. A segment on a morning kids tv show sort of thing. oh okay yeah i mean that 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 paradigm started with ultra fight which aired between ultra seven and return of ultraman where it was ultra seven fighting various monsters that they had in the the, the warehouse you know these right. weird little these weird little three to five minute episodes that were just little filler things you know and kept kept the kids interested in the genre you know yeah those Ultra Fight things also had, I forget his name, but he was this really, really, really popular wrestling announcer at the time. And I've read that it was kind of like a big deal that he was like announcing these fights as if they were actual matches. Oh, I didn't really? know that. That's really yeah. interesting. So yeah, that's, that's that's where the money went. That's where the budget went. <laughs> to the announcer. Yeah. That and, that and uh, Ellie King's assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> Uh, have you seen the meme going around of, of Eliking with guns? No. How'd I miss okay, that? so like every people people are like drawing art of Eliking with guns, um, and that literally is a scene in Ultra Fight where Eliking wow. has an assault rifle, assault rifle, and he I think it's literally an AR-15, and he's <laughs> uh, he's sniping other monsters with it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it's it was low budget, man. No, I get it. I get it. Just, I've always liked Ella King, and now I'm like, I need to find that now. <laughs> it sounds really cool. Yeah, it's pretty great. I'm, I've actually been working on my own piece of Ella King with a gun art. <laughs> Dude. Um, yeah. I want to see that. Very, very, <laughs> very leftist spin on it, though, so I'm, I'm uh, not sure when I'll post it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, so, yeah, so then, I mean, eventually... Ultraman gets uh, created and aired. Well, it, it gets aired for before that. It was like a reveal or something like that. It was like a yeah, live, a live there broadcast. Were, there were a couple of weeks between the end of Ultra Q and the beginning of Ultraman. Right. And in the couple of weeks in between, um, the, the week before Ultraman, they aired a black and white The Birth of Ultraman special. Yeah. It was this, uh, this live special and Tsuburaya uh, himself comes out on stage. You have a bunch of monsters parading around, and the science patrol is there, and you have an audience full of kids who are just like, oh, this is great, you know. 
so yeah and then and then a week later is when the actual episode came out i wonder how like i don't know jarring or like how surprising it was that because a lot of people saw that first in black and white and then the next week the first episode airs in full color well a lot of people saw the series in black and white Oh, because uh, it was broadcast in color, but that's if you had a color TV. If you had a color TV, right? Okay. But yeah, and that's that's another reason why they shifted Ultraman into a humanoid instead of a monster. Is like they were worried, like you know, you can't just change the color of the monster or something. It was Bimlar was originally the name of the monster that would have been the hero, which obviously right. wound up being the first monster that Ultraman fights. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the small screens, the, the small television screens, and then the fact that a lot of people would still be seeing it in black and white was right. a, a big reason for the, the shift. Yeah, like, um, people, I don't think they realize how late into the game color, t- color TV actually became widely used. Like, um, mm-hmm. when Kamen Rider first started, there were, like, newspaper ads that were saying, now widely available in color broadcast. <laughs> And that was like well into the seventies. Well, I literally have um, I I have a, a vintage TV that I, I use for like little short films, and I, I, I like to watch Ultra Q on it because um, nice. it's 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 just this fun little thing. I call it my monster box. And it's this little <laughs> it's this little thirteen inch TV, and it's from like nineteen eighty one, I think, and it is in black and white. It's black and white only. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Also, fun fact about Ultra Q: it uh, premiered on my birthday nice really yeah yeah january 2nd that's awesome january january 2nd that's really that's really awesome yeah it's uh, it's destiny it explains a lot (laughs) does it i mean i like to think it does look man (laughs) try to be positive here (laughs) have you all seen uh, ultra q because i haven't seen all of it I have seen all of it. Uh, I finally finished it during quarantine. I've been watching episodes since, uh, God, I think the first time I saw an episode of Ultra Q was like 2008 or something. Wow. <laughs> um, but Man. then I finally finished like the last chunk of episodes during quarantine. Man. I have seen more of the reboots than I have of the original show, I'll put it that way. Yeah. More of the reboots? So not like a uh, dark fantasy or neo. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so let's, I guess, give a quick summary of the actual show that we're talking about. <laughs> We've got <gone> <laughs> Ultraman. 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 So he's a superhero from the sixties. Uh, he like crashes into this dude. He's like, "Oh crap! Did I kill this guy? I don't know. Let me take over his body. No one's gonna know." Um, <laughs> also, he's like, uh, he aired in this. Time slot sponsored by a pharmacy, so technically it was pushing drugs. So that's all you really need to know. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, <laughs> nothing I said was wrong. No, no it's all I, accurate. I love it. I kind of just want to leave it there and just kind of go on. <laughs> and it's worth worth mentioning for for the two people who've never watched Ultraman at all ever in any form. It obviously there's the science patrol who are like the support team. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be the ones who research and take out monsters in Ultraman stead, but you wonder how they ever did before. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's true. They're they're not good at their job. <laughs> to no. say the least. <laughs> but they're fun to watch. 
Oh, they're great. Um, <laughs> they're they're yeah, no, they're fantastic. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's a pretty episodic show. So that's that's the setup, and then each episode yeah. is its own little little mini movie. Yeah, but it's also man, it's it's. I was surprised at how like well done the show is for being like from the sixties and being like the first, I guess, of its kind. Yeah, in a way. Because, like, I was watching it at one point, and my dad walked in. He was like, kind of sitting and watching for a bit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, uh, when did this come out? And I was like, yeah, this show started in 1966. He's like, this is a show? <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was watching a movie. He's like, this is a show? I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah. And I mean, and that that's really, that, that's exactly what Tsuburaya wanted, was this, like, yeah. this movie, this, like, Toho movie quality thing but like little bite-sized chunks for for people to sit and watch in in their own homes yeah and it's like um so it wasn't just like a well-done show it was like a really high budget show for the time i've read quotes that say it was the most expensive show produced in japan when it aired yeah that doesn't seem too surprising i mean yeah (laughs) it definitely stands the test of time yeah absolutely or does it? Let's let let's jump into this to our discussion. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I went into I tried to watch a show like a I don't want to say like over ten years ago, and I remember not getting very far because I was just not used to how episodic it is, mm-hmm. and I was just I was so used to just like you know central plot heavy like sort of shows, and seeing this one was it was. It was rough at first, but then once I got the Blu-rays, and I was just like, let me just sit down and watch this. Uh, after, like, I don't know, 10 episodes, it's just like, this is just fun to watch every other day. And it's just... Yeah. It's just a new adventure, and the characters are all very, like... Well, most of them are really, like, fun to watch and have mm-hmm. a lot going on and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I ended up loving the show. By the yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, because my experience was, I've, I've been... Tr- I started with like Ultraman Max and Ultraman Ace, like stuff like that, mm. like stuff that was very episodic. But like, right. you know, I feel like I feel like like what we think of as like the Ultraman formula, like really kind of congealed in like the seventies. Yeah. So like, okay. especially like the first thirteen or so episodes of the original Ultraman, like they're really kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah, um, and so. I definitely had the experience like I tried to to sit through the show like three or four times you know I you know I would go I would like make it like 10 to 13 episodes into the series and then kind of forget about it yeah. and then come back several years later and start over and, and repeat and then finally mm. I pushed through and about midway through the show I'm like oh it like it, it just started getting like really 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 good um, where like I just kind of blew through the back half of the show and then at that point, the episodes at the beginning that I felt like I was having a hard time kind of getting through, like now I can go back and be like, actually, I really, really like these. For some reason, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I had trouble with it before. Um, Maybe you just have to like get used to, or you have you had to get used to the show in the same way that that the show had to get figure yeah. out like its own pace and whatever. 
Yeah, but like, like, and I, I have to, like, I think I told that to you. It's like, you know, whenever you were kind of having trouble getting through the early parts, I'm like, you know, make it to episode whatever, like about midway, it's going to get mm-hmm. really good and you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, but like, it just, it, it feels weird to say that because like now that I love the whole show and I go back to those early episodes, it's not like, it's not like I think of them as lesser. <laughs> right, right. You know? They're just different. Yeah. And also nowadays, if you try to tell someone, oh, you know, wait till you get halfway through the show, then it's really going to kick in. That's not really a selling point. I mean, it's for not. sure. Like, I, I usually I usually only give a show three episodes, you know, and yeah. if I don't like it in three episodes, then I don't care, you know. Yeah. So. I do uh, remember back when uh, Shout Factory used to do their uh, Tokusatsu marathons on the weekends. Um, mm-hmm. They did Ultraman once. And right. I was watching it, me and Yas were watching it, and I remember we both kind of petered out after, like, episode seven, mm-hmm. just because back to back to back to back to back, after a while, the formula was, like, a little apparent, and, like, I think Yas in particular was just, like, so tired of that after <laughs> seven episodes straight. I was, because it was, like, yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's not really meant to be watched that way. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Like, you got you got to take it in chunks. That's definitely a mistake. Oh, mistake. I don't know if you'll call it that, but it's it's a trapping that people fall into, especially mm-hmm. with younger viewers. They think, oh, like a lot of shows these days are more serialized or just run at a faster pace. So yeah. naturally, maybe the older shows are like that. So let's try to marathon it. And if it's like one or two episodes, they're not into it. They're like, uh, okay, maybe shows from this era weren't good. And that's why you right. get a lot of people who aren't used to shows from that era just kind of write them off really unfairly i think yeah i definitely recommend like at at the most like two episodes a day if not yeah. you know less <laughs> yeah like i like when i've been watching red baron and i love it and like i'll do you know two or three episodes every couple of days you know yeah yeah that's what i did i i watched maybe like two or three episodes a week yeah and i mean that definitely takes a while to get through but I, I think I think it makes you appreciate the series a lot more like what Absolutely. it's trying to do, what it has to offer. Yeah, because every time I get back into it, I'm just like, I'm I'm amazed at different angles of the show. Like I'm like the production value is great, mm-hmm. and then um, the story itself. It's I mean, it varies. Some show some episodes are a little less interesting than others, but the ones that are really interesting, like they're really out there. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, especially like the. Uh, Akio Jisoji episodes? Yeah, anything, any episode by Akio Jisoji is is just a a gold mine on some level, you know. Um, it is so trippy. Yeah. So for uh, viewers who don't know, who is Akio Jisoji? Jisoji. Uh, Akio Jisoji is. I don't really know much of his history before Ultraman, um, but he's kind of a. He's a really weird director. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how to explain him. He's this, he's this weird art house director who who got his start in television and started working on Ultraman, and he and he went on to do like all these like very provocative, um, like like very sexually provocative, very politically provocative art house movies. Um, but he started out working in Ultraman. And what I, what I find really interesting about his episodes is like the camera angles and the editing and, and, and even a lot of the ideas that are in them 
are not that different from the kinds of stuff that he would explore in his much more adult, explicit stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it also had monsters in rubber suits. Um, yeah, true. You yeah. know, and, and, and he clearly had a, 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 a huge fondness for the genre because, you know, he continued working, like he would continue coming back to Ultraman even as late as 2005, uh, in Ultraman Max and, and, you know, just regularly produces some of the best episodes of the franchise, of the genre, honestly. Um, His, um, he did an episode of Ultraman Dinah. I will always remember for just how trippy the monster battle in it is. Uh-huh. It's got this really crazy editing going on and Dinah's basically fighting what's like a, amounts to a giant stone. And uh-huh. I think it's it's supposed to be an actual monster, but it's represented as a stone and the camera's like warping and giving you these weird angles and there's this really weird echo and reverb. It's like an acid trip is the best way to describe it. I haven't actually seen that before, but it does remind me of um, uh, his episode of Ultraman Max. I think, I think it was his final Ultraman episode he did. Um, uh, actually, no, it came before his his final episode so second to last ultraman episode he did uh the butterfly's dream i love that that's my favorite episode from that show it's 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 honestly it's one of my favorite stories just of the entire genre like it just like that that was an episode that uh like really kind of showed me like what possibilities like kaiju can be you know like i when i was in high school and just like kind of blew my mind I think you showed me that episode. I'm I'm I am absolutely certain as long as we've been friends I have shown you the butterfly's dream. <laughs> it was weird cuz like we had watched a bunch of like we had watched the, either a bunch of movies or shows or something and then you were like half asleep and you're like let me show you this episode of Ultraman Max before I take I like, drive you home or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, I think yeah, I remember that. I have also shown the episode to you uh, at least once I know. Yeah. Why is everybody showing me this episode? It's a good episode. It's so good. Right, but it's like, I haven't seen the show, but everybody shows me. It's, it like, works I mean, out of context. I mean, well, that's, it's that's true, the thing. It does. It does. Ultraman Max is very much like the original. It's a throwback to the original series in that like every right. episode is, is a standalone movie, basically. Um, but yeah, I'm, like like in, in the original series, though, like uh, Jisoji, like he does um, some, some just the best episodes in the series, as far as I'm concerned. Um Hold on, I have the little book here. I can actually name the titles. <laughs> um, you know, like my personal favorite is is Overthrow the Surface, which is the um uh oh god, the Telestan episode, which you know, I when I when I first encountered Telestan in like the Heisei revival monster, you know, like when they did, I think he showed up in Ultra Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, it's kind of a boring monster, whatever. Um, but just like what Jisoji, just the whole episode is like, oh, wow, okay, I really like Telestan because Telestan is in this incredible episode. And that's yeah. the, the other thing that I really love about Ultraman is, uh, and Ultra Q is how like very, um, how very worldly it feels influenced. Uh, like Jisoji especially is like mm-hmm. very very clearly influenced by like French New Wave cinema and stuff like that. 
uh-huh. uh, and just the show as a whole feels feels very like French New Wave, and and that was one of the other things that Subaraya did with with the shows is he got a bunch of like like young people to work on it, um, right. rather than like a whole bunch of industry veterans, and and just kind of let them loose, you know. Um, like one of the main writers for Ultraman and Ultra Seven, uh, Tetsuo Kinjo, mm-hmm. um, very angry Okinawan man, uh, <laughs> and you know his his politics were very like, "Wow, fuck Japan," you know. Um, and there's a lot of episodes, especially when you get into Ultra Seven, where and and even some in, in Return of Ultraman later on down the line. Uh, where he's writing his scripts are basically these screeds against the former Japanese empire, you know, and, yeah. and, and like the residual effects that it has on modern day Japan, you know, speaking from a place like as an Okinawan. So like a lot of like very anti-colonial stuff. Yeah. And, you know, none of it ever got vetoed, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, sure. Put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know there's there's a surprising amount of like politically charged stuff in there it's really great um as well as as well as just you know uh stuff like like the monster dada and the monster bolton are both named after uh dada is named after an art movement yeah you know dadaism and then bolton is named after um the french surrealist uh andre breton Yep. Um, who is uh, you know surrealism evolving out of Dada, obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's just I, I love I love that it has all those influences and that it really wears them on its sleeve. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I absolutely hate Dada. He is the Dude, most terrifying monster ever. I was literally <laughs> about to just interrupt with that. Like that is my, that. I can't tell if I love the love the monster or if I hate it. Because <laughs> like it is such a weird, off-putting design, and like his mannerisms are very like creepy. But the fact that it does that makes me like it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty upsetting. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I will say about because uh, I, I don't know much about Akio Jishoji, but I feel like I like while I was watching the show. I would text you every time, like, is this an Akio Jishoji's episode? And I would just kind of, I mean, I would, after a while, I was like, oh, yeah, I have Google. I can look it up. <laughs> so I look it up and it's like, okay, yeah, this is an Akio Jishoji episode. And it mostly is because of just the camera angles and what what he chooses to focus on, mm-hmm. which is really weird. I remember there was an episode where everybody was off in different, like going off to different locations in their jets. And mm-hmm. every time they showed them, communicating with each other with the radios they went really up close to the face and really up close to the microphone yeah and I was yeah like, and he did it a few times like i don't know why this is happening but this is cool <laughs> yeah he makes he makes some really odd and unique choices in like like camera angle and shot choice and yeah. I, I really love it it's, it's 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 honestly it's a huge influence on me as a filmmaker yeah um for just like how weird can i get you know what is the what is the type of shot that what is it called when you like kind of just when a person is running and you kind of follow it with the camera like running with it alongside it? Oh, just like tracking like a tracking shot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that in one of his episodes and like 
did they do that in this show before this? Because I feel like it had. I feel like it's a lot more static than that usually. But maybe yeah. I'm just putting too much into it. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, a lot of the show. Uh, one of the things. One of the things. One of the reasons I like a lot of the like Return of Ultraman and even to an extent Ultraman Ace is I feel like a lot of that much more uh, fly by the seat of your pants camera style that Josoji did. I feel yeah. like it got more integrated into the way that they approach those shows. Okay. Cause like a lot of the episodes, like um, uh, I think, I think it's Hajime Tsuburaya, uh, Tsuburaya's son directed a bunch of the, the original series. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's several episodes that they're, they're good, but they feel a little more like, you know, the camera's locked off and just a little more, basic in their mm-hmm. approach yeah um whereas jisoji like yeah you can immediately tell it's a jisoji episode because it suddenly feels it feels a lot more cinematic and just mm-hmm. a lot more like like just weird and artistic in its in its choices you know? yeah did Subaraya himself direct any episodes no he was just he was just the producer okay yeah that's interesting yeah, I would have thought that he would have directed like one or two. Or something I don't like that. think he. I'm not. I I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I'm not sure Tsuburaya ever like directed a full story himself. Like the like he was primarily special effects director. Like that was right. his thing, you know. So, yeah. but on on Ultraman, he was he was just he was just the producer. He would come in and he would just oversee it. So right. even the special effects would be directed by the people underneath him oh okay yeah but like it was all his you know seal of quality you know it's his his factory basically you know yeah. so it still has his fingerprints all over it so you're still working like super long hours for intricate models that get destroyed the next oh day. for sure yeah <laughs> oh man yeah um should we talk about some of the characters because there's a sure. lot of colorful interesting characters the in my opinion, the least of which is Hayata himself. <laughs> <Shin Hayata. laughs> He's a little bland, yeah. He's very bland. I mean, my assumption, I don't know if it's correct or not, is that he's kind of meant to be. So he's kind of like the everyman. He's like, he's not supposed to stick out, I guess. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's your basic, uh, your insert audience, in, audience insert everyman hero dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is secretly Ultraman? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I throughout the show, I'm like, man, this guy is the most boring character to me. <laughs> but I mean, he has moments of heroism and where he's like, you know, backing people up. But there's also times where he's kind of a dick <laughs> to some people. I feel like towards the end of the series, he starts to kind of get more of a more of a personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards the end, and then. All that is kind of done away with. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little bit. Um, but that is an interesting cho- choice that he is not, he's not the standout, like, bombastic character. But I guess I'm just so used to how shows are nowadays where the main hero is the focus and, you know, the one that everybody kind of goes to. But he's kind of just the guy on the side and he's kind of bad at his job. He's always kind of <laughs> messing up a little bit. Yeah. But he's, he's part of the team. He's part of yeah. the team. Yeah, he has an important part, I guess. I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the person that I, I thought I would not like but then ended up loving is Ide. 
Yes. Uh, Ide is best character, hands he is down. absolutely the best. Because he's the, he, I mean, he's the, uh, I guess, the inventor. Yeah. Well, he's, he's the person who kind of just works on all the, he creates new weapons and new vehicles and everything. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, he's such an idiot. And he's such a buffoon. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, this guy is, he's funny at times, but he's going to get grating. But the mm-hmm. more you, I went and uh, watched the show, and especially there was an episode where he sort of lost a lot of his self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And he was worried about, like, he was, like, stressing out that he needs to finish this new weapon. But he's also doubting himself heavily. And you can see all the weight of, like, all that responsibility on him. Yeah. And it's kind of messing with him. And seeing how he kind of got back into it, which I think actually Hayata helped him with a bit. Yeah. Gave him like a bit of a pep talk and all that. Like, Yeah, I mean, Ide, Ide is like, he's like the one person in the entire show who like gets it, who like understands what's going on yeah. on like a galaxy brain level that no one else is there. You know, <laughs> That's true. like he has, he has all like just these moments of just like wow we are awful aren't we <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. multiple times throughout the series and it's just it like he's honest to god he's the soul of the show you know i didn't expect that honestly yeah what like, i mean starting like, the show he's he's the clown but he's kind of like the shakespearean clown <laughs> you know <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> where like he's he's goofy he's goofy as all get out but like he'll then say something that just ruins your day <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah that's true george you, you seem like you're on the same page yeah i love him i um the first episode of ultraman i ever actually saw was uh one of the really early ones and it's the one where like he's basically telling the viewer a story yeah oh yeah episode two yeah yeah episode two and yeah it just it ends with him like getting a black eye and just his reaction to that like from that moment on i was like oh yeah this is this is my guy I, I, <laughs> yeah i mean i knew he i figured he was gonna be the comedic character and Judging by how episodic the show, I was like, oh, he's not really going to change. I thought he was just going to be that for the whole show. But no, it, it he turned out to be fantastic. And, and I, I think there's also just something about, like, you can tell the actor really, really likes his role. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That helps so much. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of energy. I feel like he's he's always upbeat, up spirit. Like, he has, like, high spirits. He must be cool to work with. Yeah, he seems he seems really fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, like he has a cameo in, in Super Eight Ultra Brothers, and just like the smile on his face. Yeah, he's in the yeah. very beginning. Um, he's the little shop owner that they buy candy from, um, and just like just the way he smiles is just so pleasant. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he just clearly just loves it. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and I, honestly, I didn't know who he was when I saw it. So he's I probably just saw him as like a random dude. <laughs> I, I would say I would say hold off on watching it again until you finish Return of Ultraman because you'll need it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I I, I I most recently I watched it during quarantine because it was after this very important moment in Return of Ultraman that just kind of traumatized me, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna go watch Super Eight Ultra Brothers because it. It undoes this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
What um, do I need to watch seven as well? No, I mean, okay. I, I just the more the more Showa Ultraman you watch, the more you will appreciate uh, okay. Super Eight Ultra Brothers. Okay, but there is a specific thing that happens in Return of Ultraman that Super Eight undoes. Uh. Um, that like I need I need to go see the reality where that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, going on the opposite end of that, you know, going from someone that I didn't think I'd like to something I did like. Mm-hmm. Arashi is a person that I liked in the beginning. And by the end, I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like him too much. <laughs> I think, I think Arashi is kind of hilarious because he has all these, like, Arashi's kind of just fucking unhinged. He really is. <laughs> like, I literally, there's so many moments, so many episodes where I'm like, Arashi, what is your damage? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, there's real, literally, I think there's an episode called Don't Shoot Arashi, where it's like someone, like, they're telling him not to shoot, and that's yeah. the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Like, don't shoot your gun. And he's fighting <laughs> the urge to shoot it the whole yeah. episode. Like, holy crap. But I, I, I do enjoy that he's just, like, kind of, he's, sort of gung-ho about everything she's like let's go and do it let's just do it let's, there's no point in sitting here talking yeah. let's go fix the situation uh but that also hurts the team because you know they're a science they're a science patrol team and a lot of what they want to do is you know strategize and research yeah and i mean he's he's the the heavy weapons hothead you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, obviously very useful in some situations. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's the science patrol. Like, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe we don't need to go guns go in guns blazing all the time, Arashi. Please calm down. <laughs> he got really excited with that spider shot, and he never let it go. <laughs> like, he just, that's that's his main weapon. And he's the only one who uses it, I feel and like. I don't, I don't remember the episode, but, yeah, there's one where, like, he practically has a death wish. Where he's just yeah. like, I'm I like I am going to do this or die trying, you know. <laughs> I think he felt like guilty about something and he wanted to like make up for it or something, right? Yeah. That makes sense. That sounds that sounds like a very Arashi thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, I, I overall I like this character, but I didn't like him as much at the end as I did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the beginning he was the one that I was looking at. I was like, Oh yeah, man, this is the dude. This is the guy that gets stuff done. <laughs> yeah. And later on, I'm just like, well, Ida is just such a pure soul. He's... And he won't he won't kill me. The way he won't kill me, <laughs> yeah. You might. Ida is a precious cinnamon bun. <laughs> I, I The way I like to think about it is, like, when you see a picture of Ida, you can just tell, like, oh, yeah, he, he's a nice, happy guy. When you see a picture of Arashi, you're like, I'm going to keep my distance. <laughs> Like he would definitely ask you ask who you're looking at if you walk. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh god, um, let's talk about Captain Muramatsu for a bit, dude. Okay, so this is <laughs> a purely an actor thing, but I had no idea who this actor was when I went into it, and by this point, I had already seen all of the original Kamen Rider, so. I'm in there and I'm like, holy shit, it's Tachibana. He's he's in the show in basically the exact same role. That is amazing. Yeah, because I, I, I've only seen bits of Kamen Rider, but I knew that he was uh, in it. And yeah, watching this show, like now that I've watched the whole show, I 
identify him more as Muramatsu. Nice. So when I, now, right now I'm watching original Kamen Rider. I'm just like, what is Muramatsu? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I, overall, I, I dig him as a character. Um, he's... He's a fine fatherly mentor character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of just has that kind of aura about him. I feel like he's always been that age. Also. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like even... Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I actually... My, my my initial experiences with him were Godzilla. He was in a bunch of the Heisei Godzilla movies. Was he? Um, mm-hmm. He was one of the the people who would be in the control rooms and, like, shouting things at a screen. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Which I know that really that really does narrow it down. That's... Um, most of those movies <laughs> but yeah movies. so like but like even in the, i mean he's he's definitely older in those but at the same time he doesn't feel that much older <laughs> yeah because there's like what five year difference between ultraman and common rider uh yeah but i guess th- i don't know if they aged him up for a common rider or not he definitely has more gray in that show. he was like in his 40s by then and he was in his 30s in ultraman so are you yeah. serious yeah, he, the guy, he doesn't look his age, is what I'll say. I thought he was like late forties in Ultraman and like in nah, the fifties. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he looks older than he is. It's, okay. It's, uh, oh yeah, no, trust me. Like like whenever in in Ultra Seven when they're like going through the different members and like listing their their names and ages, I, I feel really old. <laughs> really. Like, look at these! Look at these people. They're like they're like the top members of the Ultra Garrison. What have I done with my life? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm I'm five years older than some of these people. <laughs> oh God! Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, now I gotta look that up. Were we older? Are we older than the Science Patrol of? We probably so. Muramatsu is 36 in the show, so it just... Ah, oh, come on! Oh my god, really? Gosh, yeah. I turned 36 in two weeks. <laughs> oh my god. Happy birthday, you seen. Oh, so the... Arashi is 26? No, that guy looks like he's 37 in that show. You're kidding me. Well, I mean, yeah, because he shows up in Ultra 7 and he's in his 20s there, so... Oh, man. Jesus. Ida was 24. Wait. Are you talking about the characters or the actors? Characters. Okay. Oh, wow. the actors are not much, much off by maybe like one or two years, by the way. So. Oh, okay. Either way, we're um, we haven't done a lot. <laughs> so Muramatsu. <laughs> I don't know if there's much, much else to say about him other than that he's like he's he's a really good captain, I think. Yeah, there's he's they give him some fun bits. Um. There's nothing like grading about him, but yeah, he's just he's your basic. He's the captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say that I like that he gets into the action a lot more than most, you know, captains yeah. you'd expect. You know, he's like sure he's in there with him. He gets in the plane. He he's on the ground a lot of the time. Oh yeah. I mean, unless unless he needs an umbrella, and then then he abuses his powers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was so... What? <laughs> that was such a weird thing. Once again, Akio Jisoji. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was about to say, yep, that's definitely a Jisoji episode. Um, so, should we 
get into Fuji and how... Fuji! Um, yeah, let's talk about Fuji. Oh my god. Um, Fuji really bugs me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, because it's, it's one thing... It, it bugs me on a bunch of levels, because like, on the one hand, uh, she's a pretty typical, you know, the woman character in, yeah. for a lot of these shows. Um, you know, she's, she's the butt of just a lot of, of, of like very sexist tropes and, you know, like she's mostly making coffee, you know, but then like she can't even make coffee well, you know, like there's there's jokes about that. every single scene that has her like bringing a tray of coffee to the guys because it's Agreed. Yeah. You are a trained member of this special force. Why are you like, No. Well, I mean, and then there's like an episode where like she and Hoshino, the the little kid member of the team, are like they're out on a mission together, and you know, like they get they get in a, in a big pinch, and you'd think that she's the adult in the room, like she's the person right, who yeah. should get them out of this, but instead she gets she gets knocked out by a cloud of gas, so that the little boy can have his moment, <laughs> you know. Oh my god. It's like, Oh, okay. But I think what really bugs me about it, because I mean, there's a, I mean, a lot of it is somewhat typical for the genre and the time period. Mm-hmm. But what really bugs me about it is it's the same actress. It's um, oh gosh, what is her name? Um, I, 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 uh, I can never. I can literally Hiroki Sakurai. Hiroko Hiroko Sakurai. Hiroko, thank you. Like, Hiroko I all Sakurai. like every time I I hear her name, I'm like, yeah, no, duh, of course it is. Yeah. Um, but I can never remember it when I'm trying to say it. Hiroko Sakurai, you know, she played um, one of the main characters in Ultra Q, mm-hmm. and in that show, it's it is it honestly it's the best. She is the best main female character in the entire Showa Ultra series. Like she, she's positively progressive. Like. It, it honestly lots of episodes of ultra q just astounded me with like wow like she's she's great like she yeah. has she has motivations and a point of view and and you know she does all this great stuff you know i love her so much so like the fact that then they took the same actress and they yeah. cast her as fuji and then they just took a big dump all over her character you know yeah. it's just it's really frustrating to watch uh, and that's honestly that's my biggest issue with the show. Um, that is that is my my biggest problem with the whole show. Yeah, um, yeah. I I would say she's my least favorite character, but it's like has nothing to do with the actress at all. It's all about the writing. Hiroko Sakurai is is uh, is charming, and I love her. But yeah, yeah. Fuji is Fuji is a terrible character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Like. If she's not making coffee, then she's yelling into the microphone. It's like, if anybody's alive, and that's about it. Yeah. Once in a while, she'll be on, like, she'll be on in the field, but then she has to kind of take care of Hoshino. Yeah. Uh, I will say, yeah, overall, I was very disappointed in her character, which, because I had seen a bit of Q, a little bit of Q before I started watching Ultraman, and I remember liking her character a lot, because she was just very... I mean, she didn't take any shit from anybody in that show. She kind of just, she was kind of headstrong and did, knew what she wanted to do and kind of, she held her own. But then in, 
in Ultraman, she just kind of just left to the side, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it sucks. Akiko Akiko Fuji is a garbage character. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, and it's it's just it is it is terribly frustrating. Yeah, was she in any like uh, Godzilla movies or other kaiju movies? Hiroko Sakura? Uh, I don't know. I know she was in some of Akio Jisoji's art house films. She was in a movie called Death Kappa. She was in Death Kappa? Those are two words that I like, so... Uh, I haven't (laughs) seen it, but I hear it's god-awful. So she was in... She was in Zayarth. She was in the first Cosmos movie. She was in the two Ultra Brothers movies. Huh. What the hell? We have to review Death Kappa at some point. This looks amazing. <laughs> it's it I again, I haven't seen it. I've been told that it is it is absolute garbage. Like even people who were like, "Oh wow, like I like garbage kaiju films" are like, "No, don't watch it." <laughs> like that that's that's the main reason I haven't seen it yet is because even people who are like, "Oh, I like bad movies" are just like, "No, don't do it." <laughs> yeah. Is it worse than that uh what was that? Uh, what was that Mothra movie that we watched a while ago, from the nineties? Uh, oh, Mothra two. I've, yeah. I've heard it compared in similar terms. Oh god, that was unbearable. I'll watch something that's bad as long as it's not boring. I mean, that's the main thing I've heard is that it's super, super boring. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like I've literally only ever walked out of one movie because it was like that bad. <laughs> what was it? It was a comedy called Strange Wilderness. Um, it was about this crew of people looking for a disappeared um, wildlife show host. And it's so, so, so stupid. It ends on this really weird joke that invalidates the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm, I'm gone. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, I got bored with that sub- description right there. So It's not a good movie. It's <laughs> such a bad movie. Oh, man. Okay, so... Do, do we want to talk about Hoshino now that we've established that Fuji is garbage? Uh, Hoshino's a little shit. Um, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad his actor broke his leg and that he's gone. Oh, he wow. broke his leg? I knew I knew he left for some reason. I didn't know. It was yeah, a like the actor, uh, the the actor, like the little shit that his character is, uh, <laughs> went went on a rich boy skiing trip and broke his leg because like it's not like everyone was like. Hey, maybe don't do something dangerous because you're on a weekly show. Nah, I'm going to go ski and break my leg because I can do that. I'm Hoshino. If I can, Wait. Nothing about that. Nothing about I that. mean, I, I, will, I will say, as far <laughs> as not doing stupid things, going on vacation isn't nearly as ridiculous as fucking common uh, Rider dude. Well, did he break his, his leg on motorcycle stunts? Wasn't yeah, that on the show, though? Yeah, no, I, exactly. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, uh, uh, Hoshino, honestly, I a lot of people hate Hoshino. I can't find it in myself to hate Hoshino. I mm. don't I don't miss him when he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great endorsement of the character. I, I mean, I'm not trying to endorse him. I'm just saying I don't feel as strongly as you do. Like, most of my, my ire is directed at Fuji. 
or and really, really, let me let me rephrase that. My ire is directed at the writers for how they handle Fuji, and then Hoshino yeah. is just kind of there. <laughs> I have a, like a great dislike of children characters from the era. They're either not great actors, or they're just like, why are you here? You're not even a very good child proxy because you're never in the episode. Yeah, well, and I mean, I mean, I definitely feel that way about. Hoshino like it it is kind of like wait why are you why are you here who are you related to like I think I think in the US version in the dub they made him Fuji's little brother or something yeah but like in in the Japanese version it's like who are you and why are you here I never understood I was like who's just a random kid and then all of a sudden he gets like sort of indoctrinated into the science patrol and then he gets to go on more missions than Fuji. That's what I hated so freaking much about that. I mean, yeah, no, and, and like it's like, oh, like so the kids, because no, fuck the kids. Uh, <laughs> 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 like the the kids, the kids were doing fine during Ultra Q. I mean, granted, you have some episodes that are purely child focused. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you could have done something other than integrating Hoshino into the Science Patrol. Yeah, like I, I, I like like some other shows. I feel like handle it a lot better. Like, uh, like Jiro in Return of Ultraman is like you know friend friend of the family kind of a thing. You know, right. like that works. I like that. Yeah, you know, because they they did try and do more of a, a work life balance in that show. So you have right. some like very domestic situations, and so having this kid in those situations like that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> But like literally, like, hey kids, don't you want to be in the science patrol? I'm like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even even beyond like the basic wish fulfillment, like I like I I get that's a thing they did. But still, it's just like okay, I guess Hoshino is a part of this plot. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I didn't know that he left. <laughs> I didn't know that he was gone for a lot of. You just time. kind of forget he's there. I for every. T- I'm more surprised when he shows up. I'm like, oh, you're a character that was here like, <laughs> 10 episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like him either. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. He's not, I mean, he, I'm not, I don't have like the, like, blood boiling hatred for him that George does, but. Right. He's definitely not a favorite of mine at all. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know he broke his leg skiing. He said skiing. Is that yeah. what he said? The little shit went on a skiing trip because he's like, look, I don't like the guy. I don't like his actor. Let's go. Let's move on. All right. Fine, <laughs> fine, 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 fine. I mean, the only other like sort of character, a recurring character that I know of is uh, Akihiko Hirato's character. Yeah, the uh, scientist dude. The, the doctor dude, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's he's literally playing Akio, Akio Hirata does scientist and yeah. I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. Like Pretty much, yeah. You know, he's obviously not as hard-edged as his mad scientist characters, but, like, you know, his his 1960s Godzilla movie character is like, yeah, no, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he, like, a general in uh, Sea Monster or something like that? Wasn't in he, like, what? a bad guy in Godzilla versus Sea Monster? Uh, oh, yeah, he was He was the, the leader of the Red Bamboo in Godzilla versus Sea Monster. Uh, with the eye patch again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him in that one. He was ridiculous. Yeah, no, he's great. I love, <laughs> I love Akihiko, Akihiko Hirata. Um, 
And yeah, it's just it's it's a pleasant it's a pleasant surprise whenever he shows up in an episode. Yeah. The thing that I remember him most doing in this episode was that he got body doubles at one point. Uh huh. That's the most that I remember him doing. Otherwise, they just kind of consult him once in a while, and that's about. It. About yeah, it. like yeah, because uh, Zetten, the alien Zetten, takes over his body. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for the most part, he's yeah, he's like you're right. He's he's a consult, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's great <laughs> you know and yeah. yeah you got a lot of other a lot of other toho actors showing up too like uh akiko wakabayashi shows up in one episode that i really like Ooh. um from uh you know uh princess princess salno from gijo the three-headed monster um and that is that is something like if you're if you're a big godzilla fan like looking to get into ultraman like that you know uh ultra q and Ultraman are both really great kind of ways to get into that because they are they do feel very much an extension of like that 1960s Toho feel, and you have right. a lot of the, a lot of the same actors show up. Um, you know, like like even Hayata himself was a bit player uh, in a lot of the Toho movies, which in the Toho movies he usually plays a henchman, um, to which. I, I i i enjoy making the joke that like why don't they win they have ultraman on their team um <laughs> you know but uh because he's he's in both Gija the three-headed monster and uh king kong escapes as a henchman of the main villains you know oh. isn't he also in ultra q uh yeah he does show up in in ultra q as a scientist um, right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's 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 great, and you know, yeah. So you have a lot of these same the same like stock of recurring actors. Uh, you know, Kenji Sahara obviously shows up in the, as the main character of Ultra Q, and he's yeah. been in thirteen different Godzilla movies. You know, wow. um, you know, so like that. I think that that it's definitely a good, and, and obviously a lot of the the costumes and props are are reused or like kit bashed from. Toho costumes and props, yeah. right? So you know, there's that very close relationship that you know um, really was feeding off of you know feeding off of each other uh, in in the mid '60s, and even continued into the into the '70s, although not as you know not as obvious as as right. it is in Ultra Q and Ultraman. But like, so yeah, if if, if you like me are coming from like Godzilla, like that is definitely an interesting point. You know, you even have literally godzilla shows up to fight ultraman at one point you know um that always tripped me out yeah <laughs> which and i mean like i i think it's great because it's, it's literally just super exercising his powers it's just like yeah like right. let's uh, everyone wouldn't it be funny if we got ultraman to fight godzilla so they they snagged uh, some parts to put together a, a whole godzilla suit and then put a frill on it and called it Jiras, you know. <laughs> and then Ultraman rips the rips the frill off. Yeah, that looked painful. It looks so painful. It it really does. Which I mean, and then and then that you know uh, bit of trivia that I'm sure everyone knows by now. But it's it's a different. It's the head from Godzilla versus the sea monster, and the body from Mothra versus Godzilla. So that's the practical reason for the frill, aside from making it original oh. character do not steal. Um, <laughs> but so it, it covers it covers up the break. Um, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know why they were separated. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I don't know about that part, but... Maybe it was and too then, damaged? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know, because um, the, the, like, literally the same year, uh, Gomez, uh, the monster Gomez was, was literally just, it was the 1964 suit with a bunch of stuff added on top of it, you know? Oh. So why they got a different head for it, I don't know. Like I don't even know. Like it, maybe it was even, uh, maybe they used that head because that was the most recent Godzilla film at the time was uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, you know. Um, so maybe it was more recognizable. I don't know. Um, wow. But it, it it has always struck me as strange that it is two different suits <laughs> stitched together with a with a frill original character do not steal. Um, <laughs> And then they rip it off. Yeah, uh, you know, and then and then of course you have uh, all the the Baragon, the Baragon uh, monsters, um, where they they took the Baragon suit and turned it, I think, into what four other monsters between Ultra Q and Ultraman, because um, you have they they used it in Ultra Q as as Pagos, and then hold on, I got I got I got the thing here. Maybe I can. I know. Uh, Naranga is another reuse of Bolton. Uh, Ma uh, Maglar from uh, the Lawless Monster Zone is a, a reuse of Baragon. And uh, Gavara uh, is also a reuse of Baragon. And I wonder if there's another one. But I know those three... So definitely those, those four monsters are all the Toho Baragon suit from Frankenstein Conquers the World which was then restitched back into Baragon for Destroy All Monsters, but it was in such bad shape by that point that he only shows up for like a split second. <laughs> <laughs> because they just brutalized it over at Tsuburaya. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, like this show was... I, would, I mean, it's not as brutal as other shows, but I feel yeah. like it's, they, they go to town these like suits. Like They do. Like... like uh, ben Furuya, who's the suit actor, he's just jumping on every monster mm -hmm. and just like riding them and punching them and throwing them. It's just like it is rough. Like, yeah, I'm surprised they're able to like reuse any suits from that. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're constantly having to, like patch them up and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but like a lot of the a lot of the suits are are, are reuses. Um, you know, just to, to save money, because, like, like Bimlar is then turned into Gyango a few episodes later. Yeah. Um, the original Gomoro suit is turned into Zaragas. Um, the, what was the Pearl, the Pearl Monster, um, Gamakujira, is, is turned into Zambalar, I believe. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of reuse uh, trying trying to get as, as much as they can for for that investment. What about Dada? Dada? <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I don't think that that was a reuse. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. For me, I'm still getting used to it, and I guess it just takes a long time for me to like wrap my head around the fact that the the kaiju are such iconic characters in the show. Because mm -hmm. I come from like what growing up watching Power Rangers and you know, getting into Sentai and stuff, and the monsters are so, like, just throwaway. Mm -hmm. It's like, you use them once, and that's about it. Once in a while, they'll bring something back. Um, but they're such, like, iconic characters in Ultraman that it took me a while to, like, 
understand the importance of it. And now I'm starting to like recognize in different seasons that I'm watching now, like that are like of the new generation or even a little before that, watching this and seeing sort of where they came from is really cool for me. Cause I've, yeah, never, I've sure. never seen like, like I've seen Dada a few times, but I've never seen his first episode. I'm like, man, he is way creepier in Ultraman than in <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the monsters, the monsters are just, I mean, especially because, you know, it, it evolved out of the Toho Kaiju movies. So yeah. the monsters are just a, a big feature of the Ultra series. And, and in some ways, they're, they're as much of a legacy, you know, as, as the Ultramen themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I really love. It's one of the things that I have a hard time getting into Sentai personally, because I come from the Kaiju spectrum of Tokusatsu. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm very much about the, the monsters as characters, you know, and, and kind of all they do. And especially in the original Ultraman, you know, I, I used to always kind of, you know, like, oh, I prefer like the 1970s and 1980s monsters. And I still really love those. But especially like the more I've been paying attention and like, like drawing in my art, uh, the designs of like the original three series monsters mm-hmm. um, that that were largely designed by Tal Narita. Um, Tal Narita is just an incredible monster designer. Uh, like as much as I love some of like the Ultraman Ace monsters or, or Ultraman Taro monsters, like I, I'm beginning to notice like how much more bold and iconic Tal Narita's work is. Um, and just how just these, these really simple, but really iconic designs that he would create yeah and it's also really interesting um talking about how creepy dada is is like how creepy dada is uh without like while still following tol narita's rules for making monsters um let's see if i can find it real quick but basically tol narita had three rules for creating monsters uh you know it was like they can't like Monsters cannot just be a thing, but bigger. <laughs> okay. Um, like in Ultra Q, you have you have Mongola, which is literally just a giant mole, you know. Right. So it's like not that, you yeah. know, or, or like Camacaris. It's it's a praying mantis, but it's big, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like okay, so monsters can't be thing but big. Um, okay. They have to be more than that. And then uh, one of the other rules was like they can't be like like grotesque like like no like no like blood like no obvious like brain or like gore or guts you know like when you think of like the way like western monsters so often are like play on like the horror and and the the kind of grotesqueries you know yeah, yeah. and tall narita is like no 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 not like that you know and so you wind up with these really like kind of like abstract expressionist monsters you know which again, hearkening back to like the Dada and Surrealist movements of, of, of art, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just, I just think that's really, really fascinating. And, and the designs that he wound up coming up with, are just like, oh, wow, that's, that's really, really great. And the thought that he put into it is really fantastic. Uh, what are some of y'all's favorites, favorite monsters? Um, at, from the original Ultraman, like, I, I'm a huge fan of Bolton. Um, especially the original Baltim, which I know Narita preferred the later versions, <laughs> but fuck it. I prefer the original Baltim. Um, yeah. 
Balton's great. Uh, I really love Gyango, um, which is just, you know, it's basically Bimlar with long arms and clown makeup, but he's just, he's <laughs> such a weird, such a weird dude, you know? I just, I really enjoy Gyango. Um, and, but honestly, my, my absolute favorite of the original Ultraman is probably uh, the, the original Zetan. Um, mm. the, the, the Zetan Kaiju. I just, you know, like this very, like, this wall of a monster, you know. Um, yeah, I've always found found him really interesting. Why, what, was, what was interesting about Zetan to you? I just, like, just, I just found him, uh, especially because, like, my first series was Nexus, but then I really fell in love with Ultraman Max, and that's where I was introduced to Zetan. And coming from, like, Toho Kaiju... And you hear a lot of like like Godzilla fans like oh I prefer like Toho Kaiju because they're they're more grounded and they're, you know like it's like a big dinosaur you know and like yeah. and Zetan and some of the other monsters that were being reintroduced in Ultraman Max were just so alien and they had that that again that that very expressionistic abstract but iconic designs that Narita would do and just like the sounds that Zetan would make like the beeping noises. And like mm. this, like these like gutturals, you know, um, and and just like how kind of like fearful and like of like the ultras are of Zetan, you know, uh, yeah. and just that he's just this kind of like solid tank that does not care about you, <laughs> like you you are a complete non-issue to Zetan, you know. Uh, and I just I found that really really fun and just kind of out the alienness and the the inscrutableness of Zetan, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you, George? So I'll probably have to go with like a much more vanilla answer and say like my favorite monsters are um, so you have Baltan, Zetan, and Pigmon. Those are like my three favorite from the original show. Um, Zetan, for a lot of the same reasons Jared said, he's just, like, this force. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw him, I was like, I don't know what it is, but this monster is creepy in a way that works for me, and I like it. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of the same uh, reaction to Balton. I, I kind of just like Balton's overall design. Mm-hmm. He's He feels, like, much more of a substantial threat than, like, a like a giras or a, like a gomez like he feels like something that could go toe-to-toe with ultraman um and then he just got pigmon he's cute i, I like cute monsters um <laughs> I, I i almost said pigmon just because i love garamon so much but i, I don't really <laughs> like really what cute. i don't really care for the way they altered the suit in order to make a bigger person fit in it it just feels weird now yeah. Um, when they when they redid Pigmon for Ultraman Max, though, that design is is kind of perfection. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, Pigmon to me is just like the pinnacle, like cute kaiju. Like, I would buy plushies of this guy, and I oh, love absolutely, him. yeah. As I feel like in that era of Tokusatsu, there was a very like it wasn't every show, but it felt like one of the prevailing ideas was like, yeah, monsters are bad, and we have to kill them. And Pigmon yeah. was like a really good bucking of that trend. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, yeah, and that's something I really appreciate about that that 
uh, aspect of especially like kaiju versus like the Western approach to monsters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like for me, one of the earlier episodes I saw of like Showa Ultraman was uh, an episode of Ultra 7 that involves these aliens trying to take over the world. And the episode ends with them getting into their flying saucer and trying to escape. And Ultra 7 just like goes after them and like just blows them up. And I'm thinking, huh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. So to go from that to jumping back to like something like Pigmon, I was like, okay, this is refreshing. I like this. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely what about you yes what are your favorite monsters i am trying to decipher that because there's there's a lot of them that i've i saw for the first time while watching ultraman so like the ones that stick out to me were like uh pestar that confused the crap out of me <laughs> <laughs> pestar is a really wild design i was i i think i watched that episode twice i was just like i gotta like I mean, I know what they're doing, but it's just, who thinks of that? It's so crazy. <laughs> um, a, a monster that I've always like found kind of fascinating was uh, Gubila. Yeah. The monster with the yeah. Tyrannus nose. Like that. Every time I see that come back up in modern Ultraman, I'm just like, where does that come? Like, who came up with that? But also, I just love, I love how like lumbering it is. It's so, it's such a weird design, but I kind yeah. of love it. Um, another one that I remember really digging was Sibozu. Oh yeah, Sibozu is great. Um, that because that was that was from the graveyard monsters graveyard. The monsters graveyard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one was such a weird. That was such a weird episode in general, but mm-hmm. a cool episode to see where that. Because I've always heard that term, but seeing where it came from was really cool. But also, yeah, just that monster in general, and how like. It didn't want to. Go. That was the one that didn't want to go, right? It didn't want to leave. And well, no, it it, it wanted. I think it wanted to go back to the graveyard because it was dead. It's it's for anyone who hasn't seen Seabos. It's it's designed as a skeletal monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like a it's like a, a skeleton over top of a black suit, and it's it's really effective, really cool. But so yeah, it they, it accidentally is pulled out of the monster graveyard where all the monsters go when they die. And it wants to go back. It misses. It, it misses being dead, basically. Um, but uh, it it they didn't. It didn't want to get on the rocket. And I think it just it's yes. just like a case like it doesn't understand what's going on. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. That's what I. That's what I found amusing is seeing Ultraman try to get this monster onto the rocket, and it yeah. keeps running away from him. And then he keeps like hitting him in the head. It's like go. <laughs> he just keeps yelling at the monster, go to the rocket. It's like, we are <laughs> trying to help you. <laughs> and he keeps slapping the monster in the head, telling him to go. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. But I also found the design really interesting because it's very simple. Mm-hmm. But it, it it stands out for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Seabulls design is really fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the ones that really stood out for me. I, I, like, I like Zeton and uh, Bolton as well mm-hmm. um pigmon pigmon took me a long time to get used to because i was like man this is a ugly looking thing and then you watch this episode of it and it's like man this is the cutest thing but i'm so conflicted right. it's like, yeah it's the, it's the voice man the voice <laughs> the voice yeah 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 um the fingers are what creep me out though the the weird bony skeletal fingers yeah that's the thing that creeps me out every time i see <laughs> pigmon i'm like, uh, I'm like i want to hug you but ugh. 
Um, Maybe put some gloves on. Right? Um, Uh, I I will say, like, just talking about real quick about how popular the monsters in Ultraman are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of people coming from the perspective of being, like, a Ryder or Sentai fan, like, I think Ryder does a better job with with its monsters, that there are a few more memorable ones, but, like, like I said, for the whole, for the most part, it's just, like, they're very... They're throwaway. Yeah, they're throwaway. But, like, when it comes to Ultraman, just my experiences here in Japan, like, whenever I go to a toy store, um, like Toys R Us or whatever, like, you go to the Sentai aisle, you go to the Rider aisle, and they have all of their hero stuff, and robots, and whatever, and weapons, and that's pretty much it. You go to Ultraman, they'll have their hero stuff, their weapons, their robots, because they have those now, and then they'll have this massive wall of, like, those uh, soft vinyl figures, maybe about half of that is dedicated to monsters that's how popular the monsters are and how like valuable they are as a financial thing for Suburaya and Banda like that they can produce that many monster toys and be like yeah these are gonna sell so let's do it yeah god I love that I I I used to feel bad um like when I went to G-Fest with y'all uh those like what was it like six seven years ago or something like that yeah I always felt bad because whenever I went with y'all to like the dealer's room, mm-hmm. you guys were all going like looking at the kaiju ones, and I was the one that was looking at the the Ultraman, like the hero uh, toys. Everybody's <laughs> like, everybody's like, "Oh man, I got this uh, Gomra figure. I got this, and I got that." And I'm just like, "Well, I mean, I got Ultraman Zero here, and he's like really cool." <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, the more I've watched shows, the more I'm like, "Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't mind having like an Ella King finger, or like you know." Or like, a, if I found like a Sibozu figure, I'm like, oh man, that'd be really cool to have. I just, I love the imagination that goes into the kaiju. Like, I mean, I love, I love, I don't have a, a huge collection of figures, but I love getting like the soft vinyl figures and just all of like the weird, again, like the expressionistic designs, especially because they only, you know, they weren't, you only had so long to design them, you know, because you had to yeah. do one every week. Yeah. You get some weird stuff. It's true. I'm always impressed by how how they can get those kind of suits. Like no matter if it's Ultraman or Sentai or whatever, how they can get those kind of suits produced for a weekly show like that. It's yeah, insane. Well, I mean, that's also how you wind up with a lot of reuses. Like because I knew like the really famous ones, like the ones I mentioned before. But like I was recently realizing that um, even even in modern day Ultraman, you have a lot of suits being reused. Right. Um, right. Like, uh, I think like Snake Darkness from the Ultraman Rude movie, yeah, is the Zygorg suit from the Ultraman X movie. They tore it down and rebuilt it as yeah. Snake Darkness, and that happens a lot. Um, you know, like uh, the weird the weird ball robot from Ultraman X. You know, is very clearly reflect Sage and from Ultraman Mabius, you know, so you still have a lot of, a lot of reuse and a lot of kit bashing going on. Yeah. Which is still cool. Cause I think it, they, they do come up with some interesting designs that way. Yeah. Every, every once in a while, like when I find out what something was built out of and I like that other thing better, I'm like, Oh, that sucks. But then like, yeah. um, again, Ultraman X, the, the, the flower monster, uh, Holinga. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, that was a really weird kit bash where like most of it is this alien that appeared for all of two seconds in Ultra Seven X, um, 
but then like the head and face is the the mask that the aliens in an episode of Ultraman Mabius wore, you know. And it's just and it's all just given hmm. a paint job that brings it all together. And it's just like I think it's really charming, you know. Man. I would never I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I can recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 the person who can, you know, take any any three episodes of sentai ultraman or like a godzilla movie and show you the same miniature in all of them <laughs> oh, <know>? yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true um should we talk about like uh i mean before we head out like what are some of y'all's favorite moments from the show or favorite episodes moments, episodes? moments or, yeah, okay. or episodes yeah um for me it's i think it's episode seven and it's the one where they're, uh, was it the Stone of Baraji episode? Mm. Um, and again, that's mostly because I had seen Ultraman Nexus and the Ultraman Zero movie by this point. So going back and watching those episodes, I was like, holy crap, this is stuff that's like still getting referenced like 40 <laughs> years later. And yeah. like, it's still, it's not just like a like a winking and miss it sort of thing it's like these are important plot elements later on that's really cool yeah um and just it's really cool to see like the mythology of ultraman being built up both in the real world and within the show just like yeah, yeah like there that is what would happen right like an alien comes down and yeah of course we're just gonna worship it as a god that yeah that's how it goes <laughs> i think they did that in a really realistic way and it's it's ironic because this is the episode when uh, me and Yas petered out at the Shot Factory Marathon, but yeah, <laughs> it was it was the one that left the biggest impression on me. No, like I said, like those those early episodes come back around. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because in watching it now, when I watched it this time around, I was like, wait, they're like in the Middle East. This is this is very different. It's very yeah, weird. right. And mm-hmm. but when we watched it, yeah, we watched like six episodes before, and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm kind of, I need a break. This is <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. Uh, also, it was, it was a live stream, so just like the whole yeah, it just issue. kept going. It kept yeah. going, and <laughs> like if you watch it at your own pace, that's fine. Even if it's a marathon, yeah. you can like sort of stop, go get a drink or something like that. But it's like it's a marathon. Oh, we're gonna go right into the next episode. And I think oh, it was geez. the. It was the first time, right? Like, that was when they first got Ultraman or something? Like, what, what was the significance of it? I forget what it was. I think that was actually before they started doing the Sentai Marathon. So that was their first, like, oh, streaming. wow, we have a Tokusatsu thing. We can do a marathon. Let's stream it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was brutal. But watching it now, I, 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 I remember being very fascinated by that episode. So, Jared, what's your favorite episode? Uh, honestly, my favorite episode I think is um, "Overthrow the Surface." The again, the the Telestan episode, and and most most episodes by Akio Josoji, but particularly "Overthrow the Surface" and "Monster Graveyard." Uh, "Overthrow the Surface" is it's a very like plot wise, it's not super special, you know. Like it's just it's a it's an invasion from you know the people who live under underneath the earth, you know. And it's it's just it's a very simple plot, but it's told by Akio Josoji in this really uh, this really wild style that he does. Um, yeah. And and uh, Mike Dent 
actually pointed out to me that um, that episode and also later on an episode of Ultra 7 uh, are very clearly inspired by Jean-Luc Godard's Alphaville, which I actually went and watched Alphaville a few months ago. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's very much Akio Jisoji doing Alphaville as an Ultraman episode. And then then you have the Ultra 7 episode later on where it's literally an Alphaville fan film. Um, so, which that's also like precursor to like, you know, Blade Runner and that kind of stuff. So, well, well worth a watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just his style and his camera angles are really great. And I love the Monster Graveyard for acknowledging, uh, like, I'm really big about, um, about, like, the ethics of, like, how, like, we act towards monsters. Because, like, especially when so many of the monsters are, like, natural creatures, you know, then it becomes an expression of our relationship to nature. Yeah. Um, so, like, one of the things that really bothered me about the original Ultraman is, like, Gomorrah. Like, because my first encounter with Gomorrah was uh, Ultraman Max and Ultra Galaxy. And in Ultra Galaxy, he's the hero. And I just kind of assumed that they just kind of plucked him out of the rogues gallery because he was, you know, this basic lizard Godzilla-like character and he, he looks handsome and he works as a hero monster. Mm. I didn't realize that in the original show, he's just a dinosaur chilling on an island. And like literally <laughs> he lays down to take a nap and starts purring, you know, <laughs> and it's just it's just. And and then the whole conflict of the episode is because the science patrol airlifts him to the World's Fair to be a fucking attraction. And right. then accidentally drop him out of the sky and it pisses him off. And so they have to kill him. And I'm like, wow, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. So I really liked that uh, Monster Graveyard, like, kind of put that tension through it into, you know, uh, kind of took that tension and made it the the conflict for the episode. Yeah. Um, because so much of the original series, especially because it's a show from the 60s, is very kind of callous towards the monsters, you know. And yeah. so bringing, bringing that amount of, of, of humanity into it was, was really pleasant to me. And my, my favorite shows are the ones nowadays where they kind of, you know, they do like they really do try and explore that aspect a little more. You know, because I, I think I think it's really interesting if you can try to not kill the monster. You know, like it's just kind of assumed that the monster blows up at the end of the episode. You yeah. know, and it's just like, but but what if it didn't have to? <laughs> you know, um, that's true. Yeah. So as much as I love a good explosion, I've definitely become a, a pretty big softy on on how to deal with monsters. <laughs> Does um, so those, those are, do a lot of that? I haven't actually watched all of Cosmos, but I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in what Cosmos brings to the table in that regard. Yeah. Um, but like Ultraman Gaia kind of flirts with that um, pretty pretty big. Uh, Ultraman X kind of flirts with it. And Ultraman Taiga goes pretty hard with it. And, and that's one of the reasons uh, Taiga is, is my favorite new gen show. Is that mm. it, it, like uh, the aspects of like compassion both towards monsters and like aliens is such yeah. a big feature of that show um and like compassion and coexistence uh so yeah uh watch ultraman taiga i feel like it's it's really getting the short end of the stick because it wasn't simulcast 
uh, and Ultraman Z, which I think is a, a much a, a fun but much lesser show, is the one getting all the attention because it is being simulcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Taiga was was a much stronger series. Uh, but yeah, tying that back into what we're discussing, that is why I really love the Monster Graveyard. Is is it really you know it really puts it it, it, it does a really good job with that idea. And it's the first episode that really digs into that. Well, yeah, as far as like just a monster, because then you also have the Jamila episode, but that that's a different situation. <laughs> mm. I was trying to find what the episode was where Ide kind of has that self doubt, like. Oh, that uh, is, uh, I, I believe that's dreaded Comet Suifan, right? With the uh, Dodako, or is it something else? I don't know. No, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I got. Also, I feel like it was more than one episode, right? Yeah, but there's, there's. I remember there's one specific specifically one, yeah. where, like, he's literally saying, like, Ultraman is going to take care of it. Like, what does it matter? You know. Yeah. But yeah, that that was an episode that I, that really sticks out to me, even though I don't remember the name of it. But I, that's the part. That's the time where I kind of really turned on Ide and it's just like, wow, he's a lot more than what's on the surface, kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what made me really like Ide. Um I also like the Monster Graveyard episode just because it was such a it was such a cool angle to 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 invest like sort of dive into and sort of explore, which I didn't know they did. I think you're thinking episode thirty seven, uh A Little Hero, where it's the Geronimon episode. Really? I think so. Is it that late? I think that's I think that's the one. I mean, unless there's a different one, but I remember watching that not too long ago, and that like he was having a he was having he was having the big moment of like what use is the science patrol when Ultraman is going to fix everything? You know, like what what good am I? Oh no, I think there's two. I think there's that one, and there's one where he's also like, I think he feels the pressure of having to, yeah, create something and perfect it. But he's like, I don't know. There's like, there's like, there's an episode where he had like a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Uh, that one was more of a like he was kind of, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point of it all? Which is another mm-hmm. great episode. But I feel like there was one before that. But I'll find it later, I guess. For sure. Um, but yeah, I think those those two episodes were great. Um, I also like, I don't know. I keep going back to Dada because it was just such a, just a weird <laughs> thing. And his like, I think he he was like, was he kidnapping? Uh, he was collecting humans for specimens or something like that. Yeah. He's like shrinking them. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> Dada's so weird. That's cool. Yeah, especially because they, they made Dada into such a comic relief character in recent years. Yeah, that's true. Was Dada one of the three aliens in uh, X? Or was that different? No, no, he's not one of those. Dada uh, was in Taika? Dada was an X, I believe. Maybe he's in both. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think I think he was in both. Okay. He shows up a lot because he, he was in Jeed as well. So he shows up a mm. lot. Yeah. He's different, different now. Mm-hmm. Jeed is definitely the one, I think, where they, one of the promotional pictures of, like, was Dada in the, like, draw me, like, one of your French girls pose. I mean, yeah. he does that in the original Ultraman too. He does. They really went hard with it. In <laughs> it's true. 
I, I did really like that uh, he got a custom Legionoid in G. That was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the black and white stripey Legionoid was, was yeah, that was a nice surprise. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about with the show? How about that dumbass pool where, like, Hayata's not actually Hayata? Or am I the only one who didn't like it? Uh, at the very end? Yeah. Wait. Well, I... Yeah, like, well... Is it that Hayata is not Hayata, or just that his memory got wiped? I always got the impression that it was Ultraman. The, that, that's another reason I don't like it, is they're not super clear. Is yeah. I got the impression it was Ultraman inside of his body, and then you know, Hayata was just like asleep the entire series. Yeah. yeah. And if that's true, if that's how it was, it, I think it explains Hayata's sort of bland personality, because he's not, he's not human. human. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, just, it came out of nowhere. It's, it had maybe ten seconds of, of like focus, and then it's like, okay, forgot. yeah, yeah. That was the thing. I because I I heard about that ending before watching it. Like I, I remember uh, reading the manga, and that was like addressed where he talks about how a whole year was gone from him, and he had to like people would refer to things that happened, and he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, so then when I watched the episode, I was like, oh, okay, this is Farewell Ultraman. This is like, there's going to be a whole thing. And, you know, he's going to like, he's going to lose his memory or he's going to leave. Ultraman's going to leave Hayata maybe halfway through the show and maybe they're going to address it. Like, no, literally the last 10 seconds when that thing happens and he flies away and then Hayata kind of just stands there and that's it. Yeah, no, don't don't ask for an epilogue from a Showa Ultra series finale. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the final episode of Return of Ultraman, I, I was really enjoying, but then like the last five minutes, it's like, oh wow, no, you just okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, not even like the last five minutes, it's just like like you're like like two minutes from the ending, and you're like, wait a second, I feel like there's a lot that needs to be tied up. Oh, okay, you're just okay. Because <laughs> like, I thought he was gonna go back to his team, and he was gonna say what happened or something, or they were gonna say. Did you see uh, Ultraman really did this and this and this? And he's like, who? And I thought they were going to yeah. sort of like address that he has no memory of it. But no, they just kind of just left it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Very <laughs> That last like few minutes is probably the most underwhelming <laughs> finale I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah. <laughs> but I can't, you know, I mean. Just... I like I, I like the episode a lot overall. Um, yeah, but it is it is kind of a, it is very out of left field. I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, Hayata doesn't know any of this. Just right. BT dubs. Anyway, bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whenever he comes back in like movies and stuff, that's just Ultraman. It's never in explained his... really. Okay. It's always it's always very vague. And honestly, that's one of the things that I love about the Ultraman franchise uh, is that. They're very fast and loose and vague with how canon and lore works. Um, and they just kind of like pluck things from different shows as they please. Uh, and it, and it's all just so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so many times, like, because like, I, I, I know like the, the trailers for the, the new Ultra Galaxy fight coming out, like it really feels like they're going to be doing that, like, 
you know, James Bond Spectre, you know, like this one villain was behind everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, normally I just like, oh God, I hate that. But like, it's Ultraman. It's all dumb as hell. Like, I, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy how, like, I enjoy the way they kind of pluck things here and there. Cause like now it seems like all the, all the vintage heroes, it feels like they're, they are both, they're like a, like a, a melding, like they melted together so that like Hayata and Ultraman are now the same person, you know, like, cause yeah, when he comes back in, in the ultra brothers movies, they're, they're kind of indistinguishable, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, he has all the memories of Hayata, but he's also, he's just Ultraman. Um, and I don't know, my own, my own headcanon is that after a while, they just kind of melt into each other. And I, I just, I kind of find that appealing in a way, you know? Hmm. Um, but they, they do it again in, in Ultraman Zero, the movie, because Zero inhabits the dude's body. And in that case, it is, it is definitively, it is Zero while, um, while ron is is sleeping you know uh and then at the end when zero leaves ron is like well hold on what the fuck i don't remember who are you you know who are you what is this <laughs> but then in jeed it's like they're together at the same time right uh who zero. Oh, and it was zero yeah 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 and, and in in both jeed and uh uh, I think what don't don't doesn't Zero separate in Ultraman Saga as well and Taiga yeah yeah and, and Taiga goddamn him but really he doesn't forget <laughs> things you know um, so I mean yeah I, I don't know like but again like it's so fast and loose that like for Ultraman Zero the movie they're like hey what if we do this thing that we haven't done in forty years right. <laughs> you know yeah. um, and and honestly. It makes no sense, and I kind of love it. <laughs> uh, I think I think the implication in Zero, though, is that is that Ron is so far gone, and so maybe that is maybe that is like maybe that is what it is for Hayata, as Hayata is so close to death, you know, yeah. um, that he is just sleeping the whole time. I don't know; it's really vague, but it doesn't it doesn't super bother me personally. No. But it is it is a choice. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just kind of wish there was some kind of closure, or even just like an acknowledgement that to the team that his memory is gone or something like that. That's kind of all that I really wanted. Yeah. Uh, anything else that anybody wants to bring up? Any grievances? <laughs> no grievances. I'm not sure how well we did at selling this to people who haven't seen this. I don't think we're selling it to anybody, really. Are we? We just true. It's just like. Reflecting, it's like wow, we trashed on a lot of the characters. Well, we trashed on two. It's, it's a it's it is a really good show, and again, every episode is like a little mini movie. You know, if you don't like one episode, and and it's also it does bounce back and forth between tones. Like some episodes are broadly comedic, some episodes are very dramatic. Yeah. And so if yeah. you don't like if you don't like one episode, watch the next episode because it's probably entirely different. Yeah. You know, um, I like it is it is. Very well worth watching. Uh, I keep, I haven't found a way to mention it. There's an episode I really love, uh, uh, the dreaded comet Suifun, um, where it has another one of my favorite monster designs, which is Dorako, 
uh, who's just this really wild, like purple and white with like these rainbow wings. Right. You know, I think he's great. And then you also have Red King and a giant abominable snowman monster that shows up. Oh yeah. You know, all in one episode. And uh, Hado Nakajima makes a cameo. The, the the Godzilla suit actor makes a cameo. Does he? Um, yeah, he, he plays this this very uh, upset father figure dude uh, in one scene um, because like Earth is about to get hit by a comet, and they're like, you know, oh god, is it going to be hit by a comet? Really fantastic episode, and with with just yeah, and it's also it all takes place in the snow. It's great. Watch Ultraman. It's it's fantastic. And again, if if you if you're kind of if you kind of find the first half of it a bit of a slog, keep going with it because it gets really really good. And then by the end of it, if you're anything like the three of us, you'll probably realize that actually I really did like that first half. <laughs> now that I un- like now that I get the show better, yeah. you know, like because I definitely like, like, like there's a lot of episodes in that first half that I just wasn't into and now i just like oh no i love this episode you know yeah i think it's also sort of like the same effect of like this has happened to me with other shows it's like i'll watch um the first few episodes and like everything feels so new and strange that i don't like feel super comfortable yet mm-hmm. but yeah as time goes on uh like you get to know the actors you get to know the characters and the tone of the show and it just becomes like a show you're watching and then you go back and watch those first few episodes and having it with like the context of what everything becomes and how like comfortable you feel with the cast, yeah. it's it's a really different experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's Ultraman, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I will say something that I find really fascinating about the way they produced the shows early on. Um, I don't know if they if they ever do this today, but I know they did it for Ultraman and Ultra Seven, and I assume they did it for Ultra Q. Um, where the production order was not the same as airing order, but specifically the first episode was always like the the second or third episode they shot. Oh. Um, because and then like the first episode that that were they shot was like two or three episodes in, and I don't remember specifically what the first episode they shot of Ultraman, but as an example the third episode of Ultraman is actually the first one... Uh, I'm sorry, the third episode of Ultra 7 is the first one they shot, the Ella King episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and so basically so that the actors have time to like get into their characters and so that then when they shoot the premiere episode, they've established their characters better. But then doesn't that, doesn't that create like a sort of a whiplash kind of effect when you get to like the third episode and then it's kind of like... I don't. I don't think so because at that point, like they've established their characters very strongly, and if they're a little different in the third episode, I don't feel like you'd notice as much. Mm. Uh, it's not the one thing that I will say that's very obvious that Ultra Seven Episode Three is the first one they shot is that it feels so much like an Ultraman episode compared to the first two. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, that was that was something that I found really interesting. Is the Ella King episode feels so much like Ultraman and the Science Patrol compared to like how very sci-fi weird the 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 rest of Ultra 7 is yeah I would say the the first episode of Ultra 7 they kind of just hit the ground running and you just find this random dude walking down the road it's like hey yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like yeah that was a good episode I like the first episode of Ultra Ultra 7 um but yeah I, I I agree with you guys I I ended up loving the show 
it definitely took a while to get used to it, but I end up enjoying it. And I kind of want to go back and rewatch the first like thirteen or so episodes. Um, yeah, but I, I I I really enjoyed it, and I actually I also think the the Blu-ray actually looks pretty good. The, yeah, the Blu-ray looks fine. Um, it, it doesn't look as good as the other series do, um, but I don't think it's as bad as some people say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I I popped in, I popped in one of the like people like, oh, it looks no no better than the Mill Creek DVDs, and I I popped in those DVDs. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. There's, definitely, a there's difference. definitely an it, it, improvement. It's better, here. yeah. Also, way better packaging. Oh, for sure. Holy, holy God. I remember buying that at a comic shop and opening it up in the car and being like, wait, <laughs> seriously? Is this like, an it was just like release? a bunch of black sleeves. And yeah. Like, wait, did I just get like the wrong thing? Like, but this was like wrapped up. What's going on? I was so I just, I, like, I'm looking at this like, is this really cheaper? Because like, it, I've never seen a case like this before. Well, yeah. also the thing is like, by that point, um, you were buying the overstock that they had that they couldn't sell. Like the first yeah. run did was a bit more presentable than that. Um, but yeah, like by that point, I think they were just like, they sold their stock to a third party and they're the ones who repackaged it as cheaply as possible. Well, um. no, it was actually, it's, it's, it's not quite cause the discs were, were reauthored because that were set they? has, yeah, that set has four discs. Whereas the BCI version because BCI went out of business is what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the BCI version is six discs. Um, oh, so it's, it's actually worse. even worse quality. Yeah. Uh, wow. Although, on the other hand, episode one does not glitch. It glitches really badly on the BCI disc. So, yeah, get the Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, no, like, hands down, get get the damn Blu-rays. And, it, like, especially, you know, if you if you like it and, and you want to get into more Ultraman... Uh, Ultra Q, the Ultra Q Blu-rays especially are astounding to look at, uh, and then like Ultra Seven and Return of Ultraman, Ultraman Ace all look really gorgeous as well. Um, yeah. The main the main thing with Ultraman is they did a little bit too much digital noise r- removal, um, mm. and since you know, so it basically wiped out a lot of the film grain and like in old, in you know on film like the grain is the detail, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so it it kind of it kind of makes it a little fuzzier than like when you watch Return of Ultraman, you see all that the big chunky beautiful film grain, you know. So did they like learn from what they did with Ultraman and then not? Do I, that I suspect so, but yeah, like they like as far as I know, they've never gone back and like properly rescanned Ultraman to bring it in line with the others. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah it would be nice if yeah. they did that, but they have not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cool. I think that I think that was an episode. Go watch Ultraman. Yeah. Go watch Ultraman. Do the thing. Do the thing. Ida is the best. He's, he's a cool guy. He's a cool dude. Ida is precious kid. and must be protected. I'm glad that kid broke his leg. <laughs> <laughs> he's an adult now. He's older than me. I don't. I don't care. I'm, I'm glad he's not on that show anymore. <laughs> yeah, he, he showed. Back. He showed up in Ultra Seven, uh, but like. It was really, it was really funny because I didn't, I didn't recognize him immediately because like his voice had dropped by that point. Uh, like he, he hit a growth spurt. So when he shows up in Ultra Seven, he looks like a young teenager all of a sudden, even though it's only like a, you know a few months difference. Was he walking around the crutches or? 
No. Was <laughs> it by that point? <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, uh, so thank you guys for coming on the podcast to talk about Ultraman. Thanks for having uh, me. Oh yeah. So, George, uh, Jared, what do you uh, do? You have any like social media to plug? Anything you want to like tell people about? Uh, yeah, my big on? project is uh, Xenofauna, which is basically everything that I create, giant monster related, under that umbrella. Uh, that's X E N O F A U N A, and um, my my primary thing is I love doing handmade like tokusatsu style special effects, and right now I'm doing a lot of like puppets and, and miniatures and things, and doing little short films. Uh, but you can find me on on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Vimeo. Um, I have a TikTok, but I have not actually uploaded anything to it yet. <laughs> but anyway, so Xenofauna is the umbrella for all of those. So just Instagram.com slash Xenofauna is my main my main thing. Are you going to do any TikTok dances? I might. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I, oh, God. My, my, roommate, my roommate is trying to get me to. <laughs> oh, God. So. <laughs> With the mask and stuff? Yes. <laughs> What mask? <laughs> That's my face. How dare you? <laughs> oh, God. Wait, so the thing that I've been seeing this whole time is the mask? That, that's it's, me. It's, That's my face. It's the, whole, it's the whole Superman thing, you know? What's the real? What's the real? <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely check out Xenofauna. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you, guys. And... We will see you in the next episode of the Tokenet Podcast. Maybe. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Maybe? What do you mean, maybe? I mean, maybe. Or are we, are we going to be here? Are you going to be here? I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's I'll strange. probably be here. I don't it's know if you'll be here. I don't know that time. I'll be there. Like, yeah, unless, so, you, like, unless you, you invite me there. again. I'm just I don't, I don't. I don't. I think it's presumptuous of you to be like, oh, we'll see you next time. It's like, I, I, I'm just sort of like, whoa, what did I sign up for? <laughs> <laughs> you mean what you signed up for six years ago? Has it been that long? I thought it was... It's been six years. Man. It's going to be seven next year, right? I mean, in January, right? What do I have to show for it? Oh. Anyways, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thetokunet, where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Network.com.